Hello, hello, and welcome to the first episode of Jeff's Anime Monologues, and I, of course, am Jeff. I've been wanting to start this podcast for a while, and I thought, what better way to start it than to review a good movie I recently saw by the famous director Makoto Shinkai, and by Studio Comics Wave Films. I have yet to see his most popular works, such as Your Name, Weathering With You, or even Five Centimeters Per Second, and I'll be using mostly English names. Perhaps I'll start using the true names whenever I feel more comfortable in the Weebly. And this being my first Shinkai movie, I feel Suzume was a great introduction to his art style, any plot choices, and emotional beats he may like to hit. Although I thoroughly enjoyed my time watching Suzume, I didn't feel the uh, magic, I guess people say, he brings to the table. And that may be because it's been said to have been his weakest in re recent projects by some people, and it also could be due to the fact that I'm not really the target audience. Either way, I still felt compelled to watch it and broaden my horizons, and you know what? I'm glad I did. Let's get into my review of Suzume. Spoilers, of course. So Suzume is the title and also the name of a 17-year-old girl and our main character. She seems to be a typical teenager at first glance, but the movie peels her layers back as we grow right along with her in this coming-of-age story. I feel like the coming-of-age Namaku holds it back just a tad, because this isn't just some little kids doing normal everyday things, having fun, or maybe drifting apart. Or it's not going on a road trip to save your town and find yourself. Well, that part is pretty true. Now, I think this is a beautifully crafted story of a person with a good heart who makes mistakes and does their best to make it right. And it goes even beyond that. I don't believe we are seeing Suzume as a naive child who hasn't been through anything. She is very much already gifted, she's been through trauma, and she's driven as far as what the movie shows. So the movie starts with her walking through something called the Ever After as a young child. She's looking for her lost mother and assuming by all the terrain and buildings holding ships on top of them. Some messed up stuff happened, and I was really questioning where it was heading because there's just a whole bunch of random things and random landscapes. I really thought I was watching One Piece. But we get the answer later, which is one of the big things about this movie. Sometimes we get answers, and sometimes we just don't. This instance is a good sense of foreshadowing because it foreshadows earthquakes that are a big part of this movie and earthquakes cause tsunamis so it makes sense that there are ships on top of the buildings if it was such an extreme tsunami to destroy this entire town but you can't blame my head for going wild in a story where it looks like magical and illogical things could happen but i was still pretty satisfied with that little payoff but if you're looking to go into this movie looking for payoffs and answers to questions you may have, that's not really what it's going for. And I am one who likes to make theories and uh, think about, well, what is this? Why is this happening? And my head was going crazy until like halfway when I was like, ah, they're just not going to say anything about it. So she runs into a young lady who she thinks is her mother, and I also thought it was like a ghost mother. But it was obviously what they wanted you to think, so they got me with that. 
We flash forward to her meeting a mysterious black-haired protagonist from a B-tier anime, or maybe even a hentai. And, I mean, his name is Sota. He is a man who is known as a closer looking for some doors. If he's a closer, he needs to get to the NBA stack, because the Spurs cannot close out any games, and now they're looking for Wimby. And as soon as Susan May sees this dude, she was simping instantly hard. Like, she was red-faced, just staring into his eyes. And I got thrown off because originally she said it was because she known him from somewhere. But it was just another case of foreshadowing for the crazy loopy ending that I'm not even going to get into right now. But I was totally correct. She, for some reason, instantly saw this dude and was crushing. But I guess it's because it's just typical teenage girl stuff. Even though she is not a typical teenage girl. She is a freak athlete because everywhere in this movie, she's sprinting nonstop. She has the conditioning of a god. She could hit high jumps. She could hit long jumps. She could climb. She could push open doors that are being forced open with magic forces. She's she's crazy. And apparently a brilliant shaman because she can just see into the space, the ever after, between life and death, whenever she opens the door. And she can see the giant, the giant bullworm that comes out the door when no one else can. But yeah, she goes to the door this dude is looking for and she opens it sees some crazy stuff picks up a statue of a cat and it becomes real and runs off and she also like everything got too creepy for her and it got a chuckle out of me she absolutely hoofed it out of there but whenever the earthquake starts she shows resolve and good instincts, because she bolts out of class to go save this dude Sota's ass. Even though it is kind of her fault, but not really, because why would you just leave such an important artifact that's stopping all these earthquakes just laying somewhere for anyone to find? And it's not like she did anything special, she just picked it up. So they close the door and stop the veiny worm phantom from destroying Japan for now. After these opening scenes, I was able to see why this director was so well-respected. Suzume's sound design was top-tier in my opinion. The background songs, the title song, the voices, it is all fantastic. But, I feel the need to specify one performance that absolutely made my ears perk. And that is the performance of Nanoka Hara, the voice actor of Suzume, the main character. And, I was a man who... <laughs> A while ago, believed that Jolene's voice actor in the Japanese dub should have taken home the anime awards. And, oh my, oh my, I have much the same hopes for this lovely lady. Her quality, her inflections, the timing, the emotion she could portray, all of it felt so real. And her voice is beautiful in any form. Sometimes when you get anime voices, it sounds weird or it's like ah oh, this is just someone from another anime but no she is so original and it's so realistic 
Gushing over her performance aside, I'll also give props for the animation work done in so many backdrops and so many seamless movements. You could just stare at the backgrounds the whole movie and just be amazed. And Makoto Shinkai's fans have lamented that it is truly a sight to behold his movies and, you know, I can agree now. I did have a sense of deja vu with some of the scenes such as the opening and ending bike scenes because I feel like a bunch of animes use that, but I don't know, it just seems more clear than that. It's like a sense of deja vu, just like this movie. The themes are deja vu, and like maybe you've been here, maybe you've done this before. Yeah, I, I sense that with this, and also sense this deja vu when the chair was chasing the cat. Yeah, that soda guy she was sent before got turned into a chair. You know, that one came out of left field, but once again, bringing up One Piece, I'm in Dress Roses, so seeing walk and talk and inanimate objects kind of made me feel at home. And imagine seeing this chair chasing after the cat and recording it. Even with concrete proof, no one will ever believe you. You will always be the crazy person. And I was actually happy to see this. Realistically... You see this cute-ass cat that coined itself Daijin. And people, are, of course, are going to be taking pictures and going crazy with it. And it was going viral. It's very welcoming because it feels like most movies and TV shows never want to be realistic. Because nowadays, everyone would instantly pull out their phones and report it, record it, put it on their social media. And they did in this movie. But they lose the cat, and it starts their whole adventure of trying to find them... Wow, because he wants to get his body back, and Suzume feels responsible. And I swear, this cat made me feel the most emotion during this movie. I was questioning this dude at every turn, and I started to hate him, because it looked like he was operating as a bitch-ass motherfucker. And opening doors and causing trouble. You know, and they start chasing him. And it leads to many places and shenanigans. I've heard that some others didn't like how long it spent on the travels and bonding moments between Suzume and the random people she runs into. But I, on the other hand, absolutely believe those moments are what builds this movie up to be so strong. We get to see Suzume in an element she's never been in before. She's never really traveled. She feels like she's been trapped in this one area, still dealing with the loss of her mother, not really able to move on. And here we see she's finally going out into the world. So I guess in that sense, it is a coming-of-age story. She is growing in that way. She experiences a real camaraderie. I felt great joy when she made friends with the oranges or tangerine girl. I felt like she received a priceless connection, akin to like a sister. And you could tell she really needed it. It's also in this point in the movie where... They just start adding movement when people are talking, like nods of heads and like moving of shoulders and necks, just to flex that they're just creating animation just to show you how good they are. So they close another door, they build some more of their relationship between the chair guy and Suzume, and... She meets up with this mom and some terrible-ass kids. 
They ate some McDonald's. Legit McDonald's was in this movie. I also saw Toyota, and I think I even saw Spotify. And I don't know, man. Howard, how did he get these deals? And this this dude, Soda, the chair guy, he does not like the ladies sitting on him. But he's definitely a feet dude. Just like Makoto Shinkai, and also just like Kishimoto. These dudes love feet, and I don't know why. There are so many feet shots in this movie. I, I don't know, man. I guess you like what you like. So, the mother with the terrible kids has her watch them, I guess for payment for the ride. And then they work her like a dog in the kitchen at night. So they go close another door, stop another earthquake, and then... So they come home to the mother with the terrible kid's house, slash business, and they have a good meal, and they go to bed, and... I'm gonna bring up... I do feel this romance is a little forced, because, I mean, she thinks he's cool, and he did save her life. But, I don't know. It just happens really quick, and I am weirded out because she is 17, and we do learn that he is like a senior in college, about to become a teacher. So, you know, the age difference is creepy to me. You know, be it my morals, my western viewpoint, or certain power and emotional dynamics. I did state that Suzume wasn't a naive child, and she's closer to an adult, but she clearly still shows that she's a moody, moody teenager that needs to work through some more problems. And she grows even more past this point in this movie, but I kind of feel she, like she grows the wrong way, because she becomes very selfish. And it's okay to be selfish sometimes, but... Just don't be a jerk about it. Just be straight up and state why. And if they don't like it, that's up to them. So they finally make it to Tokyo. And everything comes to an epic conclusion, which chair guy stabs and gets stabbed into the worm. Because the cat don't want to do it anymore. And man, this damn cat. Justice for Daijin, the cat man. Why did Susan May have to abuse him like that? Look how sad you made him, you bitch. I can't believe you. She loves this dude for some reason and instantly blames this cat who has also been enslaved to stop this worm. I'm sure it doesn't want to be there for eternity. And she just yells and screams at this cat and is about to bomb him on the ground. No, 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 no. She needs to say sorry, and she never does. I couldn't stand it. And this stays front and center in my mind. Even talk about it now. That's the only thing I can think about in this movie. Justice for Daijin. So she locks him up. She tells the cat never to talk to her again. And it doesn't until later. And we get the big scene where she's decided what her goals are and she's gonna be selfish and go for what she wants 
And she meets this dude, the Rizzler. Sota's best friend, Sarazawa, I think his name is. And he has a broke-ass convertible. The only animation I'll complain about is the cars. Because either they didn't want to draw the cars or it was too hard. They just made CGI cars. And you can instantly tell they're CGI cars. And I feel like they used even worse CGI on this dude's convertible because it was such a such a cheap and shitty car. And this dude just... This Sarazawar guy, he is the Rizzler. He just does the most extra shit just to look cool. He pulls out a cigarette and impresses her aunt for some reason because I guess smoking's still cool. He's a rebel. And they get out of the car for like five seconds and he just instantly takes off his jacket and holds it under his arm. Starts walking like a Chad. This dude is just so extra and I loved it. So they go meet his grandpa. And this guy is like the plot device of all plot devices. He knows instantly what's going on. He knows where to push her. He knows everything about her, I guess. Because there was no inclination that she's ever been to Ever After before. But... He was just like, yeah, that door you went through as a child, you gotta go there again. So, I get we gotta move the movie forward, but ah, he just kind of pulls it out of his ass. Other than that, I love the pacing of this movie. It's absolutely incredible. Some people say you could take like 10, 15 minutes even out of the travels, but as I stated before, if you take out even 5 minutes, you're gonna lose the true feeling of this movie. It's all mashed together almost perfectly. Then on their journey, they also have this hard moment to watch where her and the aunt just tear into each other with their words. And they kind of cop out because they have some giant big random cat like Daijin, called Sadaijin, who is standing behind her. And I, she might have been making her say that or she might have just been bringing out the truth. I don't know. They don't explain it. Again, like most things in the movie, they don't explain it. And we move into the ending sequence, and she saves the love of her life, and she re-enslaves this damn cat. I don't even I don't even want to mention the other big cat again because they don't. Apparently they're gods or something. And we get a loopy plot twist where like ah uh, there's time travel and stuff and I have a, one question about the ending. I actually have many questions about the ending. So I'll start with my first one. How did the chair lose a leg if it got... Uh, how How is the chair there? How... Time? What is time? Why does this guy's Sota's memories start when he met her? Why is Sarazawa the Rizzler? I mean, I don't know. Uh, there's no other answers. There's no answers. It's just a beautiful story. No answers. I also have one question. It's like, after going through all this stuff, where do you go in life? Because everything just kind of feels incomparable to the life events they all just experienced. I guess maybe she'll just enjoy spending the rest of her life with Soda. But I don't know. It's not that clear. And the ending credits song also goes insanely hard. Well, so final notes. The attention to detail is incredible. 
you could this guy driving, he's changing gears, he's touching the clutch. All of the it's, I, it's just hard to describe how detailed it is. You can see how many long, grueling hours they've put into these backdrops, into the, even the scenes we're watching. I also want to say the uh, the way he draws faces is very entertaining. They're very simple, but they still somehow show so much emotion, and it's pretty goofy. And with the romance stuff, I mean, she's also shocked to learn he's a college guy. So I guess that's understandable a little bit. And all of this, the thing about her being selfish, all of this could have been avoided if she would have just said said something to somebody. Like, hey, I'm going to try and save someone I love. And they would have been like, ah, oh, okay, that's okay. We'll help you. But no, she was like, I gotta fight a door. You wouldn't understand. You never will. She's like, shut up. You are such a moody teenager. You learned the wrong, wrong lessons. This is, this is not a coming-of-age story. This is a regressing-of-age story. She learns to be selfish, but in a bad way. I'm pretty sure the cat Daijin might have helped explain a little things if they didn't just come straight for his neck every time he showed up. The chair literally tackled him into the ground like a Dragon Ball Z fight at one point. And I can't put all the blame on them because the cat was pretty jealous. He wanted Suzume's love fully. But, I mean, he's enslaved. Can you blame him? I'd be pretty pissed too. Overall, it was pretty good. The plot was beautiful but messy. It made me feel happy and a bit of pain. And the animation... The animation was flawless 99% of the time. It never really went into depth with explanations, and it didn't miss out too, too much for it. It is a great regressing of age story with a sprinkle of action and adventure, and it's definitely worth the $10 I paid to see it. As I was the only one in theaters all three times I saw this, by the way. So, my final rating is 7 Suzume Athletic Charts out of 10. Thank you for listening, and this is my first episode. It's not too long, and tell me how you like it. And tell me if there's anything you want me to review or watch, and I would be happy to see it and go through it. And in one final note, everything could have been handled better in this movie. But in the end, it all worked out. And maybe that's the point. Everything all works out. Unless you're Daijin. Thanks for listening.